It's a good thing I believe in the sovereignty of God, that he is in control of all things and that he has things planned and he knew I was gonna be preaching this message today. But I hate to even start it after that great amount of praise and worship. <laughs> um, but, but I need you to hang with me, okay? We're, we're talking about things out of Matthew. You can go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter... Come on now, Matthew chapter... 24, that's exactly right. You know exactly where it is. It's already got a little black mark from your finger hitting it all the time, you know, there. Not black mark, but you know what I mean. That we're talking about Jesus is explaining to his disciples and, and therefore explaining to us in today's day that as we get closer to the end of all things, as we get closer to his return, that things are going to get worse and worse. And so I actually hate to launch into this message today because your heart's all full of hope. But if you'll hang with me, we're going to bring that same hope you just finished singing about to the end of the message. Deal? Yes. All right. So have you ever heard or are familiar with this phrase? Maybe you've used this phrase before. Or you've heard somebody say it. It goes like this. Life would be bliss if it weren't for people. You ever heard that? Yeah. Ever said that? Don't, don't admit it. Don't admit it. You know, there are, there are so many versions of that statement out there. I wrote a couple of them down. Maybe this is true in your family. Our family would be awesome if my sister wasn't part of it. I don't know why you went there with what you just did in your response, with especially those of you who were like, oh, maybe that got a little close to home. Or my brother was part of it, you know? I've heard pastors say this. Ministry would be a blast if it weren't for the people. How about this? Our church should be perfect if it weren't, if it weren't for, you get the point, right? You know, I've been musing on that. Um, why is it that those statements or those tongue-in-cheek jokes are so popular? Is it because they reflect the painful reality that people hurt people? And in our brokenness, um, many times we hurt people. Um, isn't it true? And it's true of all of us, okay? So we have to like, can't just say people are this because pretty much we all do these things at some point or another in, along the, the way. But it's so disappointing that people can be so snarky and, and rude and curt and sarcastic in dealing with each other, Right? We have a tendency to cast each other in a bad light um, behind people's backs, but then act like they're best buddies to their faces. It's so painful when that happens. There's just, there's so much, you don't have to spend much time out there um, to see how much hatred is in our world and how much betrayal is in, the, in our world. And... Um, the very painful part of, of this that we're going to talk about today is that many times that hatred and betrayal, that snarkiness, that, 
that breach of trust happens and comes from those who are the closest to us. Maybe you're familiar with this song, um, probably not, because it, it, it was written, it came out in 1944, the Mills Brothers released this song, and it goes like this. You always hurt the one you love. You heard this before? The one you shouldn't hurt at all. You always take the sweetest rose and crush it till the petals fall. You always break the kindest heart with a hasty word you can't recall. Here's the big finale. So if I broke your heart last night, wait for it, it's because I love you most of all. I mean, come on. What is wrong with us? What is happening? Who writes a song like that? Like, that's a big encouragement. You know, I broke your heart last night. I'm going to write you this song. It's because I love you so much. Wow. Wow. Well, today's lesson is titled, Backstabbing Betrayal. And I would just like to say this, and, and some of you are already thinking about betrayal that has happened in your life. There are, there are very few things in life that hurt more than personal betrayal. Would you agree? Come on. Um, you ever been there? Um, in fact, they say that betrayal is one of the strongest words on the emotional scale. Because here's what it means. Look at this definition of betrayal. The purposeful and treacherous violation of a person's trust and confidence. The thing that hurts most about betrayal is that it is personal, it's purposeful, and it is treacherous. In other words, the person wants to hurt you that is coming to betray you. And what, be, what, what makes betrayal so painful is that this kind of betrayal that we're going to be talking about today comes not from our enemies, but from those we believe to be our closest friends. I mean, we expect it from our enemies, but you don't expect it from those closest to you. Even from your family, this betrayal can come. You see, I know this in my own heart, and you know this in your heart, you can't really betray me um, unless I've allowed you past my gates of defense. Um, unless I've like let down my guard and have let you in and have entrusted my heart and entrusted my feelings and entrusted my life to you. I read this in my study that betrayal exploits and exposes our vulnerability. Another author said this, he said, backstabbers put on a front that appears accommodating, loyal, and yes, even sacrificial. Then without warning, they raise the knife, and by the time you see the glint of the blade, it's almost always too late. Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Right now, you're, you're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You even have the picture of the person, or you have in your mind the memory of the circumstances around that betrayal. And it's heartbreaking. 
It's when you share your most private thoughts and feelings with someone that you believe to be safe, a trusted friend or a confidant, even a family member, only to discover that they're out there betraying your confidence to everyone else in your world. Maybe you've been, you're a business owner and you've been stiffed by a trusted business partner that you think would never do that to you. And you've entrusted your livelihood to them. Maybe you've been hurt by sibling rivalry. That's a huge one right there. And you're still not over it. Or heaven forbid that you've had a spouse cheat on you and violate their solemn vow. Um, That vow they made to you to be true to you and to forsake all others, keep themselves only for you as long as they both shall live. And you remember those words and you thought they meant it only to find out that they didn't. And the pain that accompanies that kind of betrayal, I believe changes everything. After an experience like these, your, your world and your, actually your perspective on people and their trust are fundamentally changed forever. There are some betrayals that happen that when they happen, you're hurt so badly that you say to yourself, you literally say to yourself, I will never trust another person again. And that's tragic. Okay, so the bad news is that um, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 24, verse 10, um, expect to see an escalation of this kind of betrayal as we get closer to the end. Um, Let's look at it, okay? Um, But I wanna go back and start with verse four. We've been picking this apart verse by verse, and um, so I wanna go back and read verse four through 10 um, to give us a bigger perspective of what we're dealing with, all right? So Jesus says this to his disciples about the end times. Watch out, this is 2410, that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And all these things are the beginning of the birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Here's our verse for today. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. So this is the fifth birth pain that we've been dealing with that Jesus is dishing up to us for us to examine. Um, But you need to see that it's actually the fifth one here of betrayal is birthed out of the fourth. If you go back to verse nine, it says, you will be persecuted and put to death and you will be hated by all the nations because of me. What Jesus is saying is, as persecution intensifies in these last days, and get this, believers begin to be arrested, hated, and murdered because they stand for the name of Jesus. Look at verse 10 again. Many, because of that, many at that time will, be, will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Are you catching this? Are you seeing this? So who's Jesus talking about? Look at it. Who are the betrayers? Look at it. Many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. 
The betrayers, my friends, are those, quote, unquote, in the faith. They were part of us. But when the heat gets turned up of persecution and hatred in the world and nations hate us as Christians, they will defect. They will not only tuck tail and run, they're actually, Jesus is telling us, they're going to be willing to betray those of us who are true believers in the faith and who are standing for Jesus Christ. They will not only betray us, but they will hate us. Oh, I thought just the unbelieving people hated are gonna hate us in these times. Well, not, not so, according to Jesus. These people will not be satisfied with just simply leaving the church. Okay, you don't, you don't like the persecution, you don't like the heat being turned up, and you're walking away. All right, we're sorry that you're walking away. They won't be happy just doing that. They will join in the hatred of the world and the betrayal and persecution of the church. John MacArthur puts it this way, God's people will be betrayed by those who were a part of their fellowship, but who become offended at Christ when the cost rises too high. That is a heartbreaking reality. Do I dare ask you, um, look around. (laughs) None of you want to. Not true of us, right? Please, not true. What Jesus is saying is that there are people in your fellowship that claim to be in Christ, that when the persecution heats up, are going to run and betray us. Let me show you what John writes about this in 1 John 2, 19. I'll have it on the screen here. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, get this now, this is the key. It proved that they did not belong to us. This is not good news. And it gets a little worse, okay? Actually, it gets a lot worse. Because remember I showed you a couple weeks ago how Luke adds some things that Matthew did not tell us about this Jesus sermon? Well, Luke adds this in Luke 21, 16. He says, even those closest to you, and then he lists them, your parents, your brothers, and relatives, and your friends will betray you. How depressing. This is what's coming. Jesus is telling us that there there is going to be an increase in the intensity and the frequency of betrayal from those in our midst. Well, um, Jesus knows a thing or two. (laughs) That's a major understatement. Um, Jesus knows like a million things about betrayal, okay? He knows everything about betrayal. In fact, he was there Jesus was there at the very first hint of betrayal that took place in heaven when the archangel Lucifer betrayed his creator God. Jesus was there and he observed it. So, do you know who the archangel Lucifer is now? That's Satan. 
okay? But he wasn't always the devil. He wasn't always Satan. He was actually this amazing created being who was very high up in the angel hierarchy in heaven. Let me read about it. Let me read you Ezekiel 28, 14. Jesus was here present when this happened. This actually happened. It's not some weird mystic thing that somebody's writing about. This actually happened. God says this, I ordained and anointed you, he's talking to Lucifer, as the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. I'm not exactly sure what the stones of fire and the mountain of God are, but, the, but this dude, sorry, this archangel, Lucifer, actually had credentials high enough that he had access to things no other angels had access to. An amazing created being. God goes on and says, you were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you and you betrayed all that I gave you and you sinned. You can hear the heartbreak in the Lord's voice as he says, so I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God and your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor, so I threw you to the ground and exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. And what I wanna to say to you, my friends, is ever since that day of betrayal, betrayal has been a curse in the realm of men. Adam and Eve were deceived and betrayed by the devil himself in the form of a serpent in the Garden of Eden. As a result of that, as sin entered into the world, Cain betrayed his brother Abel and killed him. Go down further into scripture and Jacob double-crossed his brother Esau for his birthright. Go down further into the scripture and you see Joseph being sold into slavery by who? Come on, by his brothers, okay? Sold into slave, slavery into Egypt. Go down a little further into scripture and you'll see David heartbroken over the betrayal and attempt to overthrow his kingdom by his own son Absalom. And we could go on and on. I could keep going on and on. In fact, we could go down through the history um, books of, of mankind and find betrayal after betrayal after betrayal. But the worst of all was the satanic delivery of the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus himself. That delivery, that betrayal of, and, and delivery to his captives by the kiss of a friend named Judas. Luke 22, I'm gonna have it on the screen for you, describes that betrayal. Um, then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot. I wanna pause right there and just show you that behind all betrayal, um, behind all persecution and hatred is the same person. There's a, there's a common denominator all throughout the history of mankind and his name is Satan. The archangel Lucifer, who began this whole thing of betrayal that day in heaven and was cast down from heaven. Satan then entered into Judas Iscariot. Judas was one of the 12 disciples. He was in his inner circle. He was, he was the, 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 the tight group that Jesus had and was investing himself into while he was on this earth. And he, Judas, went to the leading priests and the captains of the temple guard to discuss, here it is, the best way to betray Jesus to them. And they were delighted and they, they promised to give him money. So he agreed and began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus so that they could arrest him. And you know the story that in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives, which is like the, the, the Jesus 
most precious place on the earth. I mean, he just loved it there. And he would go there regularly to pray and to get away from the crowds. And his 12 would follow him and go there. This is the place that he picked because he knew it would be a quiet place. And then he comes up to his, his Lord and his Savior and his rabbi and kisses him. And that was the signal. And Jesus, of course, says, you betray me with a kiss? It's so sad. And this is what Jesus is speaking about. He's saying, this, what just happened to me, what, we, what, what happened to me is, is, happening to, is gonna happen to you. That's his message to us today. This is gonna increase. And so what do we do about it? Do we despair? What are we learning, guys? I mean, do we get all anxious about that and despair? Oh, no, betrayal's coming. And do we get, get like all freaked out and nervous about it? Like, you know, some of you are like feeling like you need to look over your shoulder because you know who's sitting behind you. That's a joke, all right? No, um, we do not despair. So here's what we're gonna spend the rest of our time. How do we answer this kind of betrayal? There's four ways to answer end time betrayal. And the first one is this. When you face betrayal, shine all the brighter. Now I know some of you right now are saying to yourselves, you can't think up of anything else to say. Almost at the end of every sermon, when we talk about our response and our answer, you talk about shining the light. Well, you're right. But it's not because I can't think of anything else to say. It's because that is the answer. It being the answer to everything that is happening is shine your light. But when betrayal comes, when this kind of pain comes into your life, my friends, listen to me. Child of God, true child of God, shine all the brighter. Okay, do not, because what Satan wants to do with this betrayal is knock you down. And he wants to put your light out. He wants to get you to not trust anybody else on the planet ever again. He wants to hurt you so much that you refuse to shine your light. And so the reminder here is shine all the brighter. Let me remind you Jesus' words in Matthew chapter five, verse 14. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. That, that would be silly. That would be stupid. I think that's kind of what Jesus has in his mind. <laughs> I can't say that for sure, but that's just how I hear him. That would be stupid, guys. No one lights a lamp and then puts a cover on it. On. Ridiculous, right? You're going to burn the cover. It's not supposed to be that. They place it on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Everyone in the house gets to see the light. In the same way, let your light shine out for all to see so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When these things happen to you, and we've been listing them for weeks now, but when this betrayal comes and you're hurt to the core, shine all the brighter. Do more good deeds in the middle of these times that you're hurt and you'll be shining your light like never before. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter four. You can jump there if you want. Keep your finger in 24, but um, we, we can, you can jump to Ephesians 4, um, 17, where this is what he says to us. Whenever these things happen to us, this is what he says. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. 
You used to be like them. Don't live that way any longer. You're different now. And here's why. They are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness and they wander far from the life that God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. And we know the scripture also teaches that Satan is continuing to keep their hearts and minds locked up. They have no sense of shame, verse 19. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. We get that. That's not new news to us, right? We can see this right before our eyes. Now jump to chapter five and verse seven because he goes on to say to us, don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So here's the message, live as people of light. When these hard things come, shine all the brighter, people. This is what we're called to do. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. So, verse 10, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. That means study to find out. And then take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, shine all the brighter and expose them. Two things going on here. Knowing how to live in the midst of times like this. This is why we're doing this series. I'm taking you through so that we know how to respond. We know how to live when these things happen. That's what it means by carefully determine what pleases the Lord. We're working on that right now. And then the other thing is forsake your propensity to walk in the darkness. He says, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil. And when you put those two things together, your life will shine and you will not only expose the darkness, but you will work to drive out the darkness, which is what the light is made to do. In fact, it's what the light naturally does if we shine it. But if you respond to these negative things, if you respond to betrayal by going inward, which is what we tend to do, then you are stifling your light. This is how the Holy Spirit works in the world, holding back evil. Verse 13 of Ephesians 5 says, Their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. Hmm. We talked about betrayal, that they intend to hurt you when they do this. But when you shine your light, known by your good deeds, what are you doing? You're, You're exposing their intentions. That's what the light does. The light makes everything visible, so be careful how you live. And don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise, which is the second way, the second answer to betrayal, and that is wise up. Wise up. You remember this from two weeks ago. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 16, look, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Basically, he's saying, I'm sending you into the realm of the world. So, he says, Because I'm sending you out amongst the wolves, as sheep amongst the wolves, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Now hear me, like what does wisdom have to do with the way I respond? Wisdom is the practical application of truth. And what it means is knowing the right thing to do and the right thing to say at the right time and in the right way in your circumstance. So you're, you're in the, we're applying this to betrayal right now. You can be wise in your response. In fact, here's a definition. Discovering the best means 
to accomplish the highest goals. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom. Colossians 4.6 says, let your conversation be always, right? Except for when I'm hurt. Except for when I've been betrayed. No. <laughs> let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is where it gets really hard for me. Probably not for you. But when somebody hurts me, I wanna get even. In my personality type, I am, I am huge on justice and I'm huge on truth. And when you put those two together, it's very dangerous. I wanna get even. I wanna defend myself. I want them to get theirs. You hurt me, okay, I'm gonna hurt you. I didn't know that about you, Phil. <laughs> yes, you did. That's not the way of the Christian. That is not what Christ followers do. That's not how we respond to these kinds of things. Part of wisdom being as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves, part of that wisdom is understanding who we're dealing with. Remember, Paul said they are hopelessly confused. These are the people, my friends, that were in the church. These were the people that were of the faith. But whether they were pretending or they were just ignorant and didn't know, Paul says they're hopelessly confused and their minds are full of darkness. We ought to feel bad about that. Instead of being so angry, Phil, um, have a little pity and compassion because Jesus said they're just doing the will of their father who is the author of betrayal and the author of hatred. We need to, in the midst of this, we need to go to God for wisdom and thank God when we ask for it, when we need it, because when we're, we're weak, he says, I'll give it to you in abundance. I will liberally, thank you. That's one version, just I will liberally give it to you. I'll pour it out. You just asked me for it. I love giving out wisdom so that you can live in the midst of all of this. And we need to pray for discernment. And then the third thing we need to do is very simply, follow the leader. Okay, church, who's our leader? Okay, it's very exciting to hear you say it like that. Um, who's our leader? Jesus. Jesus. Say it like you mean it. Who is our leader? Jesus. Yes, he is. Yes, it's his name that we proclaim. We shout it from the housetops, right? And in the streets. Shout it into the darkness yeah. over our enemies. Mm-hmm. Jesus was holy and blameless as he faced betrayal. So we need to emulate his attitude when it comes to this because Jesus demonstrated love for his enemies and he offered forgiveness even in the midst of the betrayal. Jesus, while being insulted, the scripture tells us, did not retaliate and when he suffered, he did not threatened to get even. Okay, Phil, there's your, there's your lesson right there. Follow your leader, Jesus. 
Instead of all those things that we tend to want to do, Jesus kept entrusting himself to the one who is, his righteous, who is, is the righteous judge of all things, which is his Father in heaven. And you and I are instructed to be like Jesus by Ephesians 4.22, throwing off our old sinful nature, the former way of our life, which is being corrupted by lust and deception. Throw off the, the tendency that you have because you used to be in the darkness to counter darkness with darkness. Throw off that tendency. And instead, look at it, let, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes and put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Colossians 3.12 says, clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. But above all, above all of this, clothe yourselves with love. I've got a lot to learn. I have a lot to do in this department. And you know that. I, I hope that you can see that I'm trying. And I hope maybe you'll see a little growth in me that I'm trying to add grace to truth. I'm, I'm trying to be more grace-filled and more compassionate and empathetic towards those who are attacking, those who are doing the evil things in the world that are being driven by Satan and his agenda, to have more compassion for them instead of being so angry all the time. Because this is what we're supposed to be, follow Jesus' example. And then Jesus stayed focused on his purpose, so we must stay focused on our purpose. Because see, when Judas betrayed him, Jesus didn't let that betrayal derail his purpose. He didn't say like, okay, I'm hurt. I'm not doing this anymore because it hurts too much. Instead, that betrayal, we, we read in the scripture, took Jesus all the way to the cross. In fact, Jesus said he endured the cross and despised, I'm sorry, Hebrew says that he endured the cross and despised the shame for the joy that was set before him. He had a purpose. He knew it was on the other side. And so he endured the shame and he went through the betrayal. He submitted himself. There's a great lesson in that for us because betrayal can be so painful and defeating that we're unable to focus on anything else but the betrayal and the betrayer. We can't let go and our hearts travel down some bitter road of revenge and payback and that bitterness just eats away at our joy. It is in that moment that we need to be like Jesus. We need to choose to focus not on ourselves but on the purpose set before us. Staying focused on your purpose will allow you to keep your pain in perspective. It doesn't take the pain away. Betrayal hurts, but it helps you keep it in perspective. All right, we've got a couple more minutes. We've got one more to go, okay? Here we go. Last, the last way to answer betrayal is, number four, lean into God's sovereignty. Lean into God's sovereignty. This is where we were at the end of our song time this morning. I wanna take you back to a time in Paul's life. Now, Paul went through a lot for Jesus. 
He suffered a lot at the hands of evil men because he proclaimed the name of Jesus and he professed Christ and he spread the gospel, the greatest evangelist to ever walk the face of the earth. But there was a man in his that he trusted named Alexander the coppersmith. And so Paul let him into his inner circle and he trusted Alexander who was quote unquote one of them, one of the faith, in the faith. But much like Jesus betrayed, or Judas betrayed Jesus, Alexander betrayed Paul to the extent that he, he went to the Roman authorities and he turned Paul in. And that, that betrayal resulted in Paul's final imprisonment and led to his execution. He never got out of jail after that. Think about having that on your resume. I'm the guy who betrayed Paul, the greatest evangelist on the planet, to the Roman authorities, and Paul never was released and was executed for his faith in Jesus. But I want you to hear this, because as horrible as that is, it was there in prison where Paul wrote the book of 2 Timothy. And he wrote this to Timothy to watch out for this man in 2 Timothy 4.14. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. Can you hear that? Now, if you read Paul very much, Paul had kind of some attitudes too. And I can hear this in Paul. Hey, watch out for that dude Alexander. He, he harmed me bad. He did me wrong. But, here's the perspective. But the Lord will judge him for what he has done. That's not on me. But what was more impressive than that was that while in prison, he also wrote this, 2 Timothy 4, 17. The Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into what? His heavenly kingdom. Where was Paul's mind in the midst of his betrayal? It wasn't on the earthly things. It was on the eternal things. And he knows, I don't, whatever. This guy, other people have betrayed me. Alexander betrayed me. What a horrible thing. But I don't trust in him. I don't trust in man. I trust in the Lord. And the Lord will deliver me and bring me safely into the heavenly kingdom. I might not get out of prison. I might be executed here, but I don't care. This is part of the purpose and the plan. I'm going to trust in the sovereign hand of my father. Reminds me of the words, the final words of Joseph to his brothers after being betrayed and sold into Egyptian slavery years after that betrayal. This is what Joseph said to his brothers, Genesis 50, 20. You intended to harm me. And that was true, they did. They hated him. But God intended it all for good. Okay, think about that, okay? It not, man, I, I got over it. it. God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. My friends, everything that happens is part of God's sovereign plan for your life. even the hardest of things. He is at work, Romans eight twenty eight. We know 
that God is at work for the good in all that happens for those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. Lean into the sovereign hand of God when all of these things we're talking about come to play and increase in our lives. Our friends will fail us. False followers will accuse us and betray us, but our Savior will never leave us and he will never forsake us. And his plans cannot be thwarted by the betrayal of others. Sometimes, my friends, listen to me, sometimes the betrayal is part of the plan. God doesn't ask somebody to betray us, but he knows when the betrayal comes that he's going to use that to take us to a place, just like Joseph, where you could bring salvation to the souls of many. God's loyalty is unmeasurable and his overruling sovereignty will eventually turn our disappointment and our pain of betrayal into occasions of praise like we sang this morning. So let me leave you with these words. Let's go ahead and stand and we'll be done. I hope you will find hope and comfort in these words from 1 Peter chapter four. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. If you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, then you will be blessed for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. It's no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. So if you are suffering in a matter that pleases God, keep on doing what is right. I'm gonna add, shine all the brighter, follow your leader, stay focused on your purpose, and trust your lives to the sovereign God who created you, for he will never fail you. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this truth. Thank you for this hope. I just want to pray for those of us in this room right now that are really struggling and maybe we we have let bitterness grow a root deep into our hearts because we've been betrayed. Will you help us take the ax to the root of that bitterness and root it out of our hearts, Lord? By your spirit, show us how to do that. You know, we have a prayer team that is down front every single week and We love to pray over whatever's on your heart. And today, if if you're like very heartbroken, even right now, and you've got some bitterness because of a betrayal, you've got some things that you need to be released from and you want some prayer over that, that is the most powerful tool we have to defeat the things that, that want to defeat us. And so I want to invite you to come to the front afterwards. We'd love to pray over any of these things that might be on your heart today. And if you need Jesus, um, as always, there's an open invitation for you to come. We would love to share with you how you can know the Lord 
and be free in your spirit. But Lord, we're just a congregation of normal people, uh, broken people, wrestling with the things of this world, um, trying to make sense of it all. And we want to be a light for you. We want to shine bright for you. So help us in that. Help us to shine all the brighter in the midst of all that's going on and that is coming. And bless my brothers and sisters. Keep them safe from the attack of the evil one this week. Use them powerfully. Help them to lead people to Jesus this week and to shine their light in that way and open their mouths for the gospel. And until we meet again, uh, bless them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, the Kearneys are right down here. And if you want to um, come love on them, you can. They're gonna be here tonight. And I hope that you're gonna be here tonight for our big summer bash and the great time we're gonna have with some testimonies and everything else. It's gonna be a great time. God bless you. See you later.